Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 18. Happy New Year! <laughs> so yeah, it's a brand new year. It's 2016. Get excited. Last year was a great year. 2015, we will never forget it. Andrew, Zach, Ryan, Eduardo, and myself, we really, really appreciate you guys staying with us, riding with us, and enjoying our discussions and the interviews that interviewers that we brought on. Um, we want to continue those great vibes, keep everything going right into 2016. Uh, and that's why this episode is all about best practices with tutorials. That is, how do you get content to your players? Uh, is it in-game tutorials? Is it how to game tutorials? Or, you know, what are the best ways to get content to your players? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So sit back, enjoy our first episode of 2016. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 18. Check, check, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, Yellow. two, three. Yellow. 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 Check, one, two, one, two. Hell to communicate. That's a lovely heretic cube you have there. You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about Unity game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Obino Opara. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And we have a proper show with people on it. Yay! If you listen to the past couple, that's me by myself on the intros. That's true. That's because you're impatient. You didn't wait for us oh, no, to help can. out with the intro. To, it it's took like, two weeks on. to get an episode out. I don't know if we just had to put it out. And I had to record the intro that's in my car true. on the way to work. <laughs> Eduardo was like, Andrew, I like what you said at the end. You said, until next time, my name's Andrew, and I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so alone. I'm the alone. only thing you could say Still at the here. end. Still here. Anyways, today's <laughs> podcast is a... You wouldn't even know this because we actually recorded this before and it got lost. It went into the lost podcast vault. <laughs> we did one a few weeks ago about... Uh, basically, we, at the time, we called it tutorials, but since then, we kind of like the idea. It's about communicating your game mechanics or just your game or lore, whatever it is, to players. How some of the best practices to do that, how that kind of trace the history of how developers have communicated those game mechanics to players and then how well i don't want to spoil the point we got to last time we'll let that naturally evolve but just how yes. you can use those same methods or what i mean it's a debate to what is the best practice now in those you know all around the field so <coughs> that's what we're diving into today do you guys have any announcements before we start <coughs> it's been a while you guys been doing good yeah, cool. Oh, congratulations. Oh, congratulations. All right. Wow. Okay. No, no, no announcements yet. Let's let's just jump yeah. into this and get started. All right. So let's go a little um, bit into the history and the evolution. Like what's the Ryan, you're the oldest here. You're the elder states yes. here. What is the oldest? We started mentioning something in the old days you only had one option of this and it was manuals, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. You know, you'd go to the store, you'd get your NES game or Atari game, if you're going back as far as me, and, you know, you just sit there in the car on the way home and read through the manual, sit there and sniffing it and looking at all the enemies and weapons and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was kind of, I guess, the very first tutorial and way to learn about a game was, you know, they actually presented yeah. you a little booklet about it, and you kind of read through and digested that before you got home and played it. 
Yeah, that's what I. That's what actually I love. That's the, the first things I remembered was when I go to like uh, like Blockbuster and pick up. Uh, I think the first games I would really do that with was like Street Fighter and, and games like that, Mortal Kombat, where you know you have your man with all the moves. Well, not all the moves. They left out the fatalities and stuff. That's something you have to, you know, go ask your friends about or look on what's it, online then no. or you know. Even no, before, we're still we're still before that. We're before that. We're still, <laughs> come on, oh, youngster. Yeah, that's, that's still in the dark ages. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, come on. <laughs> Stop jumping ahead. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that, I mean, I really enjoyed. It. I remember just you know li- sitting in the car and just reading those those manuals and I, on the way home from Blockbuster and stuff. I was so excited. So those were those were a really good way of getting you know initial content and just getting people excited before they even popped in the game and and, and loaded it on your dev- on the console. A way to get them excited well, about and, the game. So that was that and was at that time too, people used it. I mean, also especially for like if you had PC games, they'd give you like a manual, like a if you had a one of those book. flight simulator games, it'd be like a book. Yeah, about what to do or what, how to work it because those things are so complicated. But with all those little NES games like you guys mentioned, that, that's such a specific memory of going home and reading those. But they would have like lore and the backstory and they'd have these character mm-hmm. bios and stuff of Mario yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Like, Yo, Koopa, yeah Mario did yeah, a lot. King Koopa is this. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, cool. I like yeah, That's yeah, his yeah. motivation. Okay, I get it. <laughs> that's his motivation. <laughs> What's driving me in this game? <laughs> and so something in that time is a little bit lost just because when games try to do that, well, last time we mentioned Destiny so much, and I'll mention it again, how most of the Destiny that just came out, you know, a year ago, the story was in those grimoire cards and these weird things you'd have to read online. But in the old days, that would just be all in the manual and you would read it. Nowadays, it's like, I'm not reading those stupid cards. I'm not leaving the game. Yeah, you put it in the game? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What? It's like, uh, I don't know if it's, that's the, the whole digital world thing now. It's oh, like people are just tired anymore, of reading. That's <laughs> yeah, TLDR, anymore. right? Yeah. It's like, exactly. oh, a manual. Oh my God, I gotta read that's something? That's true. Yeah, yeah, we're scared to read now. Okay, so just there. What are you about to say something, Andrew? No, I was just saying. No, that's what I was saying. Though, actually, it's kind of weird if you think about it because we used to spend, especially with that, and we'll get into like with magazines and other things like those. We spent more time reading about games than playing them because some of those games are so simple. But nowadays, it's just like the opposite. We read like literally nothing about a game, and just go. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna jump in and try this, I guess, because we'll get into yeah. what we do now. It's more <laughs> audio visual purposes now, but. So yeah, manuals is a big thing, and that and they, I guess it. But this is also something we talked about before, like that ties into at that time. Besides those huge flight simulator things, it, the manuals still worked because they didn't have to be super long. Because I mean, what is uh, NES controller had two buttons and a directional pad, right? So yeah, yeah, that's actually another thing that I was thinking about when we were talking about like uh, you know the age that we're in, like not wanting to read and stuff, and you know we just jump into games. I think I'm kind of like I know the wondering if it's because of you know the the rate of change with games nowadays. Like now games are not changing as much. Like you can you can easily jump into a game without knowing. You know, never playing that game before. It's like the what has changed in games is not that much. Uh, Whereas back in the day, you know, like controls and how a game is played, the different types of games you would have were so varied. Nowadays, you know, you're getting more and more, you know, you're getting like 20 MOBAs, you're getting, you know, 800 first person shooters where things aren't changing that much. Whereas back well, in the day, I don't know, this well, is just me postulating. Like, you're saying <laughs> no, like I, now that that's, like, that's an interesting thing though, because you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. saying that, yeah, it's like like a lot of the mechanics haven't changed, a lot of the game types haven't changed, but these like metas have evolved around the games. They just weren't there before. Like you mentioned the MOBAs. The mechanics are pretty simple there. It's like a little yeah. you know, RPG, you've got a few powers on a hero, and you know, go off fairly well. But I mean, to really learn the game, you've got to like figure out all the meta shit with like how am I gonna build this character? Like what powers should I get when? You know, what pattern 
items should I get? So it's almost like there's more information to digest now sometimes, and there's almost no information on it provided by the company. And, you know, it's That's just like, how do you fill that gap? Yeah, and that, and that might be just because that, that actually might trace to not just the people getting more comfortable with the games over time and also those genres solidifying into more stable things, but also because the um, the complexity and just the complexity of what is a game has expanded so much. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you wouldn't have something like a MOBA back then. You're like, what are you talking about? That's like way too yeah. much. It's like we're playing combat on Atari. Have you seen That's that? True. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's true. Like, and it, it kind of speaks to like where, you know, where we can see gaming going in the future, like especially with, you know, VR and AR type games, you know, emerging, like what's going to happen with this new, I guess, it's not really, I mean, because there have been a lot of VR and not a lot, but VR games in the past, but you know, there's, it, it's gonna, it's like a new trend or a emerging trend, another trend coming about VR games. So I wonder if that's going to change how people, you know, I guess the rate people are going to be experiencing these games, if that makes well, sense. Well, maybe that's what it is though too. Maybe like if you look at games and what we're doing is simulating you know, we're, I mean, sometimes they're power fantasies, sometimes they're just fun games, but they're always simulating, mm-hmm. like, getting more close to reality. Sometimes it's as abstract, but a lot of times it's reality if it's a first-person shooter, and, you know, reality is really complicated. So, <laughs> they get towards yeah. that. Like, oh, yeah. you can also build stuff. You can also go to the bathroom. You can also, you know, paint your house. <laughs> yeah, and so you can do a lot of things in real life. Yeah, so, maybe yeah. as it gets towards that, there's just, there has to be more complex simulations in there. And I think with any yeah. medium change like that, that yeah, you're you're gonna have like differences in the way you present information show up. You know, it's like, you know, when the internet showed up, it's like, okay, yeah, you've got your manuals and your magazines, but now I've got this new medium that you can communicate about games on, and it's like, oh yeah, well now I don't necessarily need to like read the manual or go out to the store and buy a magazine. I can go online and just start figuring things out, you know, and like sort of grabbing the old ASCII files and walking down to the arcade, says the old man, and playing Mortal Kombat That's with some true. people, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, so yeah. that medium shift says like, well, why do we have to put out all these complex manuals? You start sort of, you know, moving over to the community maybe taking more of it over and you know you can just like have your xbox game with the the single sheet of instructions in there here's what all the buttons do and then you know either we'll tell you in an in-game tutorial or you know you can go online and watch videos or something and that's what you said that's why i'm interesting moving into magazines real quick that that actually might be a good point because at some point the manuals told you everything. It's like, well, this is the game, and this is what you're trying to do. And you know, Mario goes to the right, you avoid stuff, and you jump, <laughs> you save the princess. That's what you're trying to do. But at some point along the way, when the magazines started happening, there was a clear delineation between what the the manuals are showing you because they, they they got simpler and simpler. Those manuals and shorter and shorter. Basically, we just need one that tells us what the controls are. Just tell me what the controls mm-hmm. are. And then for magazines, and as the gaming, you know, journals, press started like building up, it that became more about the meta, if you will, the strategy around the game. It's like, oh, so if you want to do this, this is how you're going to do it. You want to do... Yeah. We also mentioned um, before the show the Nintendo Power and the Nintendo Power Hotline, which is like, became that because <laughs> that became something like you want to like... It's like, well, I'm stuck here in Zelda at this level. It's like, yeah, just call that guy. It's like, hey, man, my name's Max. What do you need? And I'll just help you through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a Pepsi and a pizza and I'm going to tell you how to do this. Did they talk really oh, slowly these, or something? It's like, Whoa. why are you doing all these stereotypes right now? Yeah. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude, Speaking of that, you're talking about like ASCII files. I remember actually, you know, back when I got a... Uh, uh, Final Fantasy 7 just going online because you, you mentioned going online and just the, the advent of the internet coming 
I used to go online and, you know, look at, you know, full, even though I did this with Metal Gear Solid too, like going online, looking at ASCII files and just watching the whole or reading the whole walkthrough, especially like when you said, what are you doing Zelda? Like what, what happens next in this Metal Gear Solid? Or how do I defeat this part? I would just go online, watch, read these ASCII files and figure out exactly what to do. Just, you know, having that different medium uh, that, uh, yeah, came, it's like a whole industry um, of walkthroughs started happening. Because when you yeah, had, exactly. I mean, when you had Pong, you don't need to walk through that. You just play it, I guess. Or Pac-Man, you don't really need, you know? <laughs> but as that started happening, you're like, oh, wait a second. Or even Pac-Man. I mean, once those started happening, I guess you'd have strategy for other boards and stuff, right? So Yeah. Yeah, it's just the, especially worlds got bigger. Like, you could start stuffing more and more into games now. So, right. it was like, it was more complex, like you said. So, it wasn't as easy as, you know, I just need the controls. I was like, how do I get this weapon? Like, there's this weapon that's in this box that I have no idea how to unlock. How do I get that? Yeah, and so. actually, an interesting thing you got me thinking of, Andrew, is when you're talking about Mario and just, like, then the sort of sort of meta or strategy around games evolving over time, uh, you know, as communication got better, it's like, you know, I wonder if, say, we had the internet and, like, when Mario 3 came out, like, would, because of the Mario Maker stuff today, would we have people saying, oh, yeah, here's, like, the best strats for, you know, finishing this level, and heck, you know, I don't, I didn't ever look it up as a kid, maybe that was there in Nintendo Power, but, you know, just, how, what's the best way to run this level? How should you jump and bounce off things to, like, maybe improve your time for, like, a speed run? I mean, that stuff just wasn't thought of back then. Well, actually, I I do remember actually reading some of those because you remember oh, back really? in, yeah. in the Mario, like going to the top. If you break the top, you know they had like the breaks on top, and then you could break those and run up on top oh, of yeah. the level and run all the way across. That was more of a secret, though. Like you know, that was like yeah, they did that. Remember they did that with that damn wizard movie you mentioned? Because that movie, that movie with Fred Savage when he's taking his little autistic brother, and you know what's um what's her name too. Jen, Jenny Lewis, the musician. That she's the little girl in the movie. But oh, I forgot about that. Um, and they had the power glove. That's the reason I bought a power glove is because that movie is <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> That's what he yeah. says. In the, but it culminates with them going to the Nintendo World Championships, and then the last game they play, they unveil Super Mario Three. And so nobody's ever seen Super Mario Brothers Three. They didn't have quick looks and previews on YouTube or anything back then. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. Super Mario Three? And then, but in that little thing where he wins, they show like the first like magic flute little skip to like the end of the game like oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like that's how you knew that because it showed it in the damn movie you're like oh cool mm-hmm. so you just told me how to skip all of your game though so thanks for that yeah. <laughs> great, great cross promotion too it's like you know you know you want your game if you go see this movie you'll know more about the game if you go see the movie you know it'll announce the game it's like uh, it's just brilliant yeah. so i mean that 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 is something hard that for people to understand too that sounds like old men talking but before the internet and before the internet was you know consumer based and everybody used it is that those games you just couldn't go on a message board you couldn't go on i mean the bbs has started but that might have been the first and like our irc chats and all those things but before that it's like to, and this is the big one was like mortal Kombat. mortal Kombat now you get it and you pause it and they'll give you the moves you can even pay in that purchase to get simpler moves right i think that's one of the options mm-hmm. <laughs> but back then you had to like I don't. I, were they just in magazines? Because the game didn't tell you. They're like fatalities. Yeah, was, I think yeah. it was literally all in those like game informers and, and tips and tricks. That's magazines. such a good way to sell magazines. Those magazines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Those magazines would sell that way, and then people would take those and like I'd have like a little post it distribute it. You know, and, like I'd yeah, write yeah. it and I'd put it down. And I was like, okay, that's what it is. Okay. That's yeah, there would be that, but then people would generate those ASCII files, and that's when I'd go to like get those and like take this like printed out like ream of paper to the arcade. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was maybe the world's shittiest inkjet, but you know, it was a step above dot matrix. <laughs> uh-huh. 
That's good. Good for you. I didn't even have a printer. I had to write. Yeah, I had like a little paper. It's like, oh, okay. I would and go you'd be kind of like practicing it just in the air. Like, okay, so left, down, left, right. So he's going he's gonna to freeze them and then he's going to punch them in pieces. Okay, okay. Cool. Oh, man. That's funny. So that's, a, that's the world we used to live with, guys. And you have to waste quarters yeah, to get that done, right. too. This sucks. It sucked. Mm. So maybe, so I like that idea of that, that, that kind of fostered an industry of, I mean, once as the medium got more complex and grew, their whole industry around just journalism and just actually covering strategies and just what's the the meta, if you will. That's a great term for it because that's what it is. Grew. And really, you can say probably the death now of those manuals uh, was probably the internet coming out. That was probably when we stopped having manuals, I think. Exactly. I mean, the internet caused... I mean, yeah, it caused a lot of changes with, around the world, but for reading. games is where it's important. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Game tutorials. Yeah. And you started that time seeing so. way more in-game tutorials start happening, you know, in the 90s and stuff. Like, because as you started having your first-person shooters and, um, you know, around the PlayStation era and all those things, you start getting more. I mean, there's always those little things and it wasn't that complicated, but then you start getting the idea of, we first started having the in-game idea of like, oh, now you have a training mission or it's a first-person shooter and you're like, here, move your head, right? You know, like Halo, which is a little bit later. Right, like, yeah. like, I was like, I need to calibrate your suit. Move your head up and down. See if that, do you want to invert that? You know, it'd walk you through <laughs> the basic controls. That's something we still have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that was uh, also, uh, technology did play a big part in that. It's like, you know, earlier on, you're, you're trying to squeeze these games onto limited resources. And as the resources got a little more uh, abundant and you had a little more flexibility, I think that's when maybe these, you know, in-game tutorials started happening. It's like, you know, you're not having to think about like, oh, I've got so much memory and I've got to cram all these textures into here and some sounds over there. And, you know, it's like, no, we just don't have the resources to do a tutorial in the game because we can barely fit the game on the board or the That's true. I, I, I guess download. like once yeah. it switched over to the CDs, they could actually have like true yeah, voices, yeah. right? Like the voice yeah, of recorded yeah. humans saying, hey, this is what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, yeah, that's another good point. Yeah, how, at what point could you, you're not just doing like MIDI bleeps and bloops and sh- shit like that. So, Did you guys see just thing, speaking of like in the early, I guess it was mid-90s. This is kind of off subject. But the mid-90s or early 90s, they had a their PlayStation or like Sony had a deal, was doing a deal with Nintendo before the Super Nintendo. That the Super Nintendo was going to be a disc-based thing. Oh, and yeah, then somebody that. on Twitter like That's last so week they posted like they had the one prototype it exists and it kind of works but the BIOS isn't working but huh. it's called the PlayStation it's like a Nintendo PlayStation and the deal didn't oh, work wow. out or did something but it's from like the 90s like so that was going to be I don't know if it was after the Nintendo and that was going to be like the you know Sega CD <laughs> thing or like that was going to be whatever it was I guess that makes sense the Sega CD is around that Sega period CD, too Sega Saturn but they, they had one with PlayStation and it just didn't work and then Sony's like well we already I assume they're like well we already we kind built, of spec this out. Let's just build because it really that was like three years later, and the PlayStation came out. So that's pretty cool. That's going to be a valuable piece of hardware, I would think. Yeah, he already got offers mm-hmm. like fifty thousand dollars. He said he's not selling it. Yeah, it belongs in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> All right, indie. You yeah. know, if you can pay off the credit card, <laughs> indie. To <laughs> so the video that's game museum. You sit next to my Atari or something like that, but and that, my watch and plays. Yeah, but that is true though. That's kind of a practical thing. It's like you can't audio. I mean. You guys know this. We've all made games. When I've made my, I, I like to when I say my shitty game, that I'm being always. <laughs> but the game, but it's so funny because I mean, when that, when that Xbox game that I made, it was like their limit was like 25 megs. That's how small I had to make it. But when you put it all together, I had like high res HD 1080p graphics and stuff, and all these other things, and all these particles, all this stuff. But that 
and but then I needed to add some audio and then the stuff like audio takes was 22 megs of that of like the 24 megs oh, wow. eventually was because it's like and that's compressed in the mp3 so audio takes the most room so that kind of doesn't make sense it's like it's hard to generate voices but once we can just have voices and that's when you get into like the half-life era and the halo where i played that master chili yeah. collection recently after i did halo 5 like, let me just play the first halo again or some of it and it's very extensive they talk to you for a long time in audio You're like all right come on mm-hmm. let's go let's go yeah but they couldn't do that before that and they couldn't do that yeah that's true i remember even remember like i also go back to final fantasies like even they had like a lot of uh cut, cut seven, scenes yeah, or whatever yeah. but even those were like they were quiet cut scenes like there was no it wasn't really voiced over i think you maybe had your sound effects but a lot of just music yeah. in the background but yeah. not that much when the music know, in the end yeah, the, 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 the music was from the rom board or whatever right it was from the board it wasn't yeah, even yeah, yeah. A recorded piece that's true so. yeah it would just mix it between the channels and stuff yeah um <coughs> I, 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 you, you were mentioning oh sorry no, Andrew, you were mentioning um like uh half-life and like just getting voices in there and that just struck off in my head like you th- you remember that whole intro sequence to that game you're riding on the tram from uh, yeah. black mesa mm-hmm. and i mean that's just sort of the in-game tutorial slash scene setting i mean that because that was based well, off that the quake games forever and, yeah that. yeah it really did because it was like i got so immersed with that game just in that opening sequence and it telling me what to do setting up like this whole environment and story i mean that was really pretty amazing that's when they you know like you said it, like they were able to use sound and scripting and all these resources in game you didn't have to read a manual to just get these points across and get you just off and running i think that was one of the pivotal ones so definitely one of my favorites well because it's, it's when that some of that lore building and um i mean because you think about it i mean they worked with what they did but when you have when you have those capabilities you can't just pop out a manual like read this destiny come on yeah. read this this is your lord this is what you're doing <laughs> yeah, but when you have those this. capabilities that's when it becomes much more you have diegetic ways to you know in-game ways and in-world ways to communicate <clears throat> that information and it becomes so much immersive that's they true. changed that's why you have bioshocks of the world and all those other things now because because of half-life because that was incredible that whole train mm-hmm. right I kind of remember Tomb Raider doing sort of the same thing or, you know, teaching you through tutorials, the first Tomb Raider mm-hmm. I played. Uh, but I never played Half-Life, so I can't really compare it to it. Oh, my uh, God. But I think they did a really good job of... No Star Wars, <laughs> no Half-Life. <laughs> could you, could you uh, lay off? Just like got a Steam account a couple weeks ago. What the hell? Hey, but at least I got a Steam account. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I also got like a Steam gift card, so I think that counts for extra. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was just saying like the Tomb Raider had did another you know a great job of teaching you you know how to play the game while immersing you in this story about who this lady is and, and what she's doing. So, you know. So yeah, well, they had the, the hilarious version of this, and I don't ever think this works. Sometimes, like, just give me a start menu, give me the controls, and then also, but they start like the Metal Gear Solids, like on PlayStation, where they do how that those little whatever those little voice record, you know, like you go into your communication screen and they're talking to you forever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, so yeah. when you do that, remember just to press X, and then you're like, what are you? I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. Weirdly breaking love, the fourth wall, that dude. Game, <laughs> Solid. Yeah, snake. solid. That guy, if you go back and watch the beginning of that, I think I was just watching some playthroughs. Somebody <laughs> playing it, 
that intro they keep talking mm-hmm. takes like 15 like like 30 to 40 minutes ah, yeah, like, guys stop true. talking they to me they, they're like oh by the way this yeah. is nina she will be your special ops correspondent on this and that's like, true they start talking to her for an hour like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's true they used to switch characters like for yeah, 30 like, minutes cool. just like hey it's but i was nina. enthralled like, and they just would pop in during i didn't know i was getting for like a you know, five act play here what's going on <laughs> but, but, but thinking about that time that didn't bother me because i was just oh gosh this is so immersive because it, it, it was it was brand new it was people didn't there was all the sounds and audio you're so immersed in that point you know at that point so that was so and neat that's, and to th- have all this audio and dialogue and that's kind on. of in contrast to one game i played recently i kind of feel bad shitting on it because i don't i didn't really give him a chance this is an open yeah. space Andrew. well that <laughs> i because i have a ps4 too and a game fly, i have gamefly where i just like try to sample some of those games like rise and ones that i'm never gonna buy or never even gonna you know but i was like let me just see what it's like or and I've tried that Order 1886 game, and it looks incredible, but I played it for like an hour, and they're still so, the pace is so slow, and they're still going through like tutorial stuff. Like, I'm done with this. Mm. Like, that game, supposedly mm. that game's only like five hours. Like, you guys are just spending like an hour? Really? Getting into this stuff. It's like, ah, oh, I'm just done. At this same point in my life, I was like, I'll just go back to playing Halo or something right now. I really don't feel like doing it. Play Rocket League. <laughs> Jeez, mm. I didn't know that game was that shallow. Yeah, it's like, like five or six I, hours. It's very short. Oh wow! And it it's looks crazy. incredible, and it's neat, and it's kind of cool. I just, I just like, I get it, like, because I would play all this stuff for game design purposes. Like, I just want to check it out and see what the mechanics are and see what stuff they're doing. Right, yeah. And then, like, if I get it, I was like, I like Rise. I did the same thing. It's like, oh, this is like the same thing over and over again for eight more hours. I, I get it. I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> so, so, so now people still commit that cardinal sin of just taking too long. Because sometimes I even mm-hmm. with the Call of Duties or with us, like all right, I get it. I don't want to go through this whole like training course or something right now. I get how to shoot. That's true. So now, now we have the problem of you have two audiences. But I mean, a ten-year-old coming into that doesn't know that necessarily, right? But they also might get it faster than we ever did. So, well, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, you you know, they don't necessarily know it up front, but they're used to a certain standard now of information transfer, maybe. Right. You know, it's like the whole generation of kids who, you know, they just know how to use touch interfaces now. Like my niece and nephew, they just grew up with touch interfaces. So, you know, them like being able to jump in to a, like a game on, say, the iPad it's going to be much faster than them than it was for like us during the evolutionary process. It's like they've already they've already got that evolutionary knowledge, you know, they, or they were using it since childhood. So it's easy for them. Whereas it's like, oh, I'm in my you know twenties and thirties trying out all these new devices. It's a little more of a switchover for me. So well, that's just your Alzheimer's. Uh, yeah, my, 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 my thirty-six year old. I am sundowning right yeah, now. So. Yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> it feels to me weird when I hear that because I hear that when my job all the time where you're like oh this is supposed to be for five and six year olds or eight eight year olds eight year olds and then mm-hmm. i've had the question well does like a dual analog stick you know control like for a first person view work are they gonna get does that, that? It's like, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> like alex figured out how to unlock my iphone my daughter who's five now but when she was like one she figured out how to unlock my iphone i was like what yeah like by herself i was like you could give that to a 40 who's never seen an iphone they'd be like i don't know how to do it. what this is broken <laughs> So, I mean, they, oh, yeah. they just get it, I mean, intuitively, and they're doing Minecraft when they're three on the iPads. And so. That's true, yeah. So, that moves us, yes. I think. So, after that, you know, we have the dawn of the games. Because really what happened is you could do those tutorials and you could do the CD-based, you know, audio, all that stuff. But that coincided with like, oh, shit, now we can make the halos of the world and now we can make. And then games just took an exponential leap, I think, in depth. And complexity because they're like that because that's when you have your you know that was what was the year um we'll look this up you guys stretch while well, i look this up 
Okay. When did Warcraft uh, 3 come out? I thought you were looking that up. Yeah. Work. I know, right? 2003. <laughs> so 2003. So, yeah. uh, 2002. So right at that time too, Warcraft, the Halos and stuff. There. I love so, that But game, that's man. when you got also the mod that was the original Dota at that time. So you start getting these complex because now these games can these systems can support those things, and you start at that same time. Dota, the first Dota came out of that community and message boards, right? And all these there's a there's a bunch of YouTube histories that are really fascinating and how that mm-hmm. kind of happened and all the people involved with that and how it's like a super drama situation even now. Like how one person works for Dota and one person works for Lee for Riot. So, but all that stuff, you start getting one, the community building. And when communities build stuff and crowdsource, just the complexity can just, it's, there's limitless, right? What can grow. But then also they start, what communities do is they start evolving a second hand of talking and stuff. And sometimes they kind of negate new players. And so you start getting a whole genre of games. And it might have started around the Dota, the original mod for Warcraft 3, where you have like these games forming and going into now today where we have games that like a new player coming in that would have no fucking idea what to do. You're like, this is like, like League or like, let's just talk about MOBAs right oh, now. Absolutely. Like, I, they have tutorials in Dota 2 and in League and in Smite. And Smite does a little better job. But like, they's like, here, go, this is how you hit people. This is how you move. And it's like, that game has nothing to do with any of that. They're like, you have to, it's not right. about killing people. It's about waiting and laning and all this other stuff. Yeah. But also all that strategy evolves every time we have a patch. So be careful about that too. <laughs> like, it's, there's so much well, stuff. But the in-game they stuff in those it. games is actually the one page thing you would get in Xbox right. game. This is yeah. how you use a and mouse. <laughs> exactly. It's like, here's what all your <laughs> buttons do in the general gameplay. And then like you said, all the rest of the stuff so you don't get yelled at and called like a shithead in the game. Yeah. You've got to go That's online mild, and learn to just play. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I, I, I tried to tone Sense it down. Yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, that's a fascinating thing too. Like, I mean, that, and that's gone into, you know, 15 years later now, 14 years later, where we have a, a, a genres of games and genres of things that are so complicated. And I think maybe that, that in part also spawned what I think might be the normal now is like of YouTube, the YouTubes as a <coughs> primary platform for communication. Because it doesn't happen just with those MOBA nows. It happens with, <laughs> I did it with Rust. It happens with Fallout. With Fallout, this, Fallout 4 just came out. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so that game has so many complex systems. And that's a, this is a problem I've had with Bethesda games for a while. We've talked about this before where it's like, they really do assume past knowledge of either like some kind of D&D RPG structure you know, or that you played their other games and you kind of get the basics and then, okay, I get it. And then I move on. And this one has so many other systems. So, I mean, it's a hardcore game. I mean, it doesn't seem like that oh, yeah. to us now because we get it, but I remember going into Skyrim and some other ones like, I don't know all these things. I know this will be good, but how do you, how do you, like, we just did a- That's um, a good point. We did, we did an interview with um, Oscar Clark, uh, Unity Evangel- Evangelist that's coming up soon after this episode, and um, I talked to him a little bit about this and reference Fallout 4 and reference Skyrim, talking about how, because he was talking about how you need to give a promise of the expectations of the player about how- like this game will be amazing. Look at what I can do. What you can do now? Go eighty hours back in progress and start there and see. You know, yeah. That's how do you communicate that Assassin's possibility Creed to the player? That. You know what I mean? That's what he's talking. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. Yeah, know. I I vaguely remember being daunted by like you're talking about daunted by those systems. Like uh, back in the X, I guess it was the original Xbox, and I, it was Morrowind. I think 
you know, just because you didn't get a lot of knowledge about how to use, uh, you know, your say your spells or your combat, but like there was a lot to do in the game. But I guess for me, it was just like, like you said, that promise of like, here's all you can do. So just bear with us and learn this, you know, it's like that I would be able to explore this world and learn all these things and kick all this ass, you know. So, because I, mean, I guess it's I, because the games are so complex, they have to yeah. like, and they, they, now they demand so much of the player to really take the initiative yeah. that I think the problem is sometimes now games, they need to, it motivates you to do that, right? I think, I think it's almost a disservice for, for games nowadays. I feel like with the complexity, it's almost a disservice to do like teach anymore. Or I think like it's kind of, of ROI. It's yeah. like a, not only a, not only a waste of time, but it's like the, our game is complex. It, there's a lot of systems that we want you to learn. I mean, teaching you, we could spoon feed you, but then that would take away from the, you know, I guess the experience of learning the game where, you know, back in the past where you had your old school Street Fighter 2 or something like that, where you would need to learn something, you know, because this is, it's a new concept or it's a new game that hasn't been out, Fighters or whatever. It wasn't really new, but, you know, that teaching you was kind of necessary. Mm-hmm. But now, since the games are so complex, it's kind of a disservice to try to take away that experience from you. It's, even though, that's what I feel like. I feel like, like especially with Morrowind, I, I tried Morrowind myself. And I kind of enjoyed like not knowing what just the heck what is going was. on, like being yeah, just like dropping me in mm-hmm. this world. Because I mean, that's that's actually what the selling point was for for me. Like when people told me about it, they were like, you know, you could be anything. You could be a thief. You could do, uh, you know, a spellcaster. You could do anything you wanted. So the fact that they just kind of dropped you in this world and it's like, hey, go create your character, do whatever you want to do. That's kind of what was appealing to me. And I feel like with a lot of these games, it's like our, the system is complex, the world is complex, the lore is complex. You, we want you to experience that in all of its glory so that, you know, we're just going to drop you in this world and let you have at it, especially being the gamer that you are in this, you know, our gaming atmosphere environment that, that it is like with the YouTube videos, like you said, with the internet as, as available as it is, I don't feel like they need to, it, maybe they don't feel like they need to give you any more information besides, you know, yeah. the in-game tutorials. <clears throat> no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, <clears throat> another point to go along with this is, Ryan's dying you, over there. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> and now it's my emphysema. You know, I was so dying. You know? There's just a whole host of diseases taking over my body right now. After um, dark, y'all, the fight systems are so Yeah, down. it's like, put me in my chamber, please. Um, no, but it's like, if you start looking at the evolution of games and then the evolution of the gamer, too, the average gamer, I think, being statistically now like in their mid-30s so it's one of those things where you know maybe also it's like you can just expect them to kind of know this now you know it's like do you have to keep feeding them this because they've been doing this since you know they were young kids in the 80s or you know or now they're just old or younger kids with the knowledge have grown up with technology so there's really no need for the spoon feeding as much anymore and again with the social media they can just go find it if they want to so you know it's like like you said why it is there's really no good return on investment there because you know, you know that the information will propagate fast. It, you know, it only takes a sl- one spark and all of a sudden the fire spreads and everybody knows about mm-hmm. it if it's worth knowing. And if it's worth knowing, then, you know, it's just going to fall on your, you know, eventually fall on the player's lap for the most part if they're remotely interested in your game. And if they're not, you haven't done your job and they're probably not going to keep playing anyway. So, and, and maybe people are used to jumping in. Like that's part of some of that stuff. When I have frustrations, I think it's me because I think my learning disability is that I have a problem enjoying stuff unless i understand the complete the complete package you know like oh so what is this whole system mm-hmm. okay i get it now 
like I can't just like just do this thing. You know, I was like, no, oh, but what am I doing? Like, I, maybe that's also that being how my brain works. Then also, when we're like looking at it from a developer's perspective, you're like, what is the mechanic of this? What is the point of this game? Like, what's the fun? Where's that crunchy bit in there? Because, but then it becomes fascinating because you guys said that and like it it's not worth to really teach it but maybe that actually this is actually a better point than we even came to in our last episode maybe the fact is that you don't teach it you rely on the community and you build a community but what you still need to do is like i said you need to provide those layers of fun that actually motivate the players to progress through that because you know it's like the classic the the golden the whole golden grail the holy grail <laughs> of um, game design <laughs> is like it's like the go game or whatever you know like easy to learn hard to master right so mm-hmm. you want to introduce yeah. something where they're discovering those mechanics over time but it like we t- i'm gonna keep name dropping before this we had an interview with nicole zaro and she talks about those four keys to fun and that's what it is that's also like that's you know halo the bungee's model like 30 seconds of fun and she had something fascinating in there she's talking about you need really simple fun the first layer is easy fun it needs to be like oh these are fun controls yeah. and i think a game like that's why the mobas are so popular because even though they are completely dense and complex you can pick that up in that's that first true. thing it's like what's well, kind of fun to destroy people and click on them and stuff and yeah, like yeah. you have that easy fun and it keeps repeating and she was saying the bubble yeah wrap. and she was saying a lot but then the next step above that you need hard fun which is ways to link those easy fun moments into a larger game into like a whole meta and strategy and stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she was interestingly enough in the last part of that episode she mentioned that that's what the problem is vr right now because we have a lot of easy fun demos and there's no kind of like oh but this is actually a big game that's like you want to get into and not just like look this is fun i tried it for five minutes at this conference now (laughs) you know it's actually something (laughs) like a fallout where you go oh it's fun to shoot people it's fun to explore it's fun to craft but it also weaves together into a larger goal and a larger narrative and over time by the yeah, I get, 80 hours into it i will finally understand how all the systems work right that's yeah and right now i feel like I, the reason i feel like you're running into that with vr is you know people stuffing someone in a vr really fast right for, yeah they don't have eight yeah, hours for really fast down. and for exactly for an extended period of time is gonna you know you're gonna lose them really quickly for you know if not from interest or you know, it's because they're yeah, not in VR. A wall so. of text is literally a wall of text. <laughs> it's like, I can't yeah. walk past this wall of text. <laughs> and it may make you nauseous. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think that's interesting. So, yeah. That's a kind of a cool. We actually didn't come to that point in our last time that, because we're just like, I don't know, just do whatever you want. Tell the mechanics. I mean, there's simple things you can do. And then even, I mean, you can rely, like, the, what we're saying basically, like, rely on YouTube or community you're building, but you can even make videos and stuff and put them out and link them out. Yeah. People, yeah, companies do that all the time. It's just have their own videos. Like, say Smite does that. We've been looking at Smite and they, they put out, this exactly, is the hero, this true. is all his powers. Like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the hero review or something, yeah. Champion. Know like your champion enemy or something. They have those ones, right. Highlight. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's kind of necessary to get some, you know, that's why, yeah, the companies, before you even, like, especially, like, people with, kicks, you know, have Kickstarters going or something, like, or new, new games coming out, you know, the important thing that people always stress is just building that community. And I feel like that's what companies and and gaming gamers or game companies and publishers all all around are like realizing like that's that's the selling point is just having that community so having the community promote your game build your game you know fill out the information about your game create wikis for your game that's where you really want to be is having that community drive the game uh where you just it's almost like knowledge centers that's, right it's like instead of like people yeah, ask exactly. a question and that question gets saved and the answer gets saved in your site and then so it becomes an FAQ, right? Exactly, that's true. Yeah, yeah, just like a building a knowledge. Because these games have become much more, like, the first time I played League, it kind of blew my mind. 
because it's it's a whole new genre game. And then we're getting into the, now we're moving into this first person era where some of the I mean Destiny kind of tries to play with that, but with the Overwatches that Blizzard has coming out, there's other ones that we're getting into a lot of these games that are games as a they're not actually games; they're like a pastime. They're like they're like, yeah, they're I, like I, I play they're fantasy like football. Or I do you know I play some baseball. They're not just like, well, I play this game and I play it for 40 hours and I beat it and I'm done. There's like, no, this is just something yeah, I'm yeah. going to be doing for 10 years, playing li- League. Exactly. Like, we're always, yeah, World I'm always going to keep yeah, uh, getting better and it's going to evolve. Yeah. The strategies are going to evolve, but I'm always, it's just something that I'm involved with now, right? I'm always learning. Yeah, and that's, that's actually kind of interesting because you've had that in the past where, like, with multiplayer games, you know, it's like just something you do in the past. Counter Strike and stuff, like, yeah. Counter Strike, Quake, whatever, you know, you'd play these multiplayer deathmatch, but it was always very static. There was not a lot of, you know, from like year well, to year. Those are so skill based, too, just Twitch based. Yeah, they were very skill and Twitch based. And I mean, there's that in MOBAs, too, but the thing with the MOBAs is they introduce new elements, new characters. It's a very dynamic field of play. And they do it purposely you know, to mix up the yeah, field. Yeah, they purposely, they change it. They have seasons. You know, like League of Legends have those seasons that where they change things. You know, with a host host of characters just to uh, add well, that. It's kind of an ingenious the, idea because I think Smite does it, and I think Dota does it, and League does it, where they they go all year, they get and they have a championship because by the time the end of that year, all the pro players have figured out the min max of that stuff. Right? They figured out this is the yeah, best yeah. thing, and like you said, it's not fun to go and just know the min max of games. Like, it's just like, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm not discovering it and doing it. But they figured out the min-max. And so, what they do is like, okay, that one, now we're just going to flip the script and change all that. And now you guys mm-hmm. have to figure right. out Exactly. Out. And you have to relearn the so game. There's a little bit of period in a month after they do the patch where everybody's like, I don't know. Well, I'll try something else. You know, they don't. Exactly. Out, and everyone's yeah. just try, uh, trying different things every time, different heroes constantly. And then they all, like you said, always are revealing new heroes. So, there's that part. So, I, I would say that's so, yeah, a good... Well, then it gets actual advice maybe like just even start mixing that in that's something that maybe i mean maybe don't worry so much because because honestly sometimes tutorials and and that usability stuff is stuff that people forget about until the very end they're like oh shit uh yeah just put a pop-up that says move your head or something we've been we've been talking about that in the blood dragon the far cry blood dragon they make fun of that where it's like the tutorial or keep stopping you oh, yeah. and they like they put up like hey there's another pop-up hey did move forward like god damn it move <laughs> come the on already <laughs> michael bean is angry yeah they make a, like a funny joke about it so yeah and that's what it, i like this balancing i like this idea that we should have talked about how the complexity has shifted and it's been like a kind of a curve and as that happens it's just become impossible and in fact you don't want to explain because sometimes the game is understand sometimes the game design and like the discovery is learning new mechanics even like fall it's like oh shit i can do that to the base i didn't even know that like some people Dude, i got to level 11 before i knew i could rearrange sanctuary because you could yeah you could say that that's it's just a weird kind of crazy time to be a designer to think about those things because you, you could say i mean one can make the argument well that's broken like the game did not communicate that to me right but mm-hmm. i mean isn't that kind of a magical experience that i could go talk to zach at work and go hey did you do that did you do that mission in fallout he's like i didn't even know you could do that you can take over that castle I'm like yeah you try it and yeah, it's yeah. like that becomes that little moment is so memorable and that it ties that into the enjoyment of the game and that's not something they exactly. did it's something that we created together you know like that's neat i think 
Yeah, and they enabled it because I had a, I've had similar experiences with Fallout where you start talking to a buddy and the quest is just like, oh, well, you went left and I went right. And it's like, it's amazing that a game can do that, keep you both entertained, and it doesn't force you down a path. You don't have to take this specific tutorial, then go to this specific town and then introduce this new mechanic. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not that rigid. It is It is actually very fluid. Even from the technical standpoint of its bugs, it's almost endearing that game how much it just leaves to the player to deal with, you know, and, and that yeah. it's, it works. That, yeah. And that ties into my, my least favorite types of games. And I'll, I'll shoot them Destiny some more. Bungie, we'd love to have you on. I love Bungie. We love Destiny. I'll be back in Des- into video games like around 2000. Like, I love Bungie stuff. And I, I've spent 100 bucks in Destiny, so... I can bitch about it. But the problem with that is they, they pitch that game as an idea. is like, oh, they have these crazy special weapons and they have this lore and that you're going to find these crazy things. They're kind of doing that now. They're, they're getting better. There's like these weird secret things. But the problem is that just, they don't have that much stuff. So the people go like, their idea was like, well, you, they'd see a weapon on your back and you're like, there's a story about how I got this weapon. But now it's like, well, no, that's a tied to this one quest that everybody can do now. And there's a YouTube video about it. Like there's mm-hmm. no like... There wasn't as very. It's not like a Borderlands or something. Borderlands does it a fascinating thing where they, they, they um, procedurally generate the weapons. So like they yeah, yeah. they generate all the elemental and all the stats on it and and a name and a brand and stuff. So you pick up that weapon. Nobody has that weapon. So it becomes this fun like, oh, what is that? Was well, like was well, this like weird shotgun rocket launcher thing that I found? You're like, oh wow, and it becomes a personal experience. I've just never liked games that. There's one way to win. That's why I've never been a huge Mario fan. And other ones are like, well, you have to jump on this thing and do that and do that. And that's it. It wasn't until Halo came out in those games. They kind of, you can express creativity and just how you were playing it. Like, well, I'm going to flank around there and do this and throw a grenade and then I'm going to bounce around. That was crazy. Did you see that happen? Because you have that, once that possibility space opens up, that's how I like it. And that's, again, you can't account for that yeah. in any way. You just have to. Yeah, that's what they did. Like the advent of like open world games like, uh, like Assassin's Creed and yeah, Grand Theft Auto. You know, those were, I think that's what people really enjoyed is just being able to experience the game on, on their terms, if you will. Um, because it's just like a new concept. You know, usually you're just walking down a path through the game. You know, you're on this, I guess, roller coaster. You know, I guess roller coaster is a good word. Rails. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, on rails, rails exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, on rails throughout the whole game. But now you're like, oh, I can do this, you know, do this mission here today and then tomorrow I can do something completely different or do whatever I want. So that, I think that's, that's you know, like we were talking about, just open world games versus now we have an like open world game design, you know, where don't, you know, you don't force everything down the player's throat where everything's left more open for their discovery. So I think yeah. that's, I guess that's what you were trying to yeah. say. Just like yeah, the and- design concept. And it's actually kind of funny talking about sort of, I guess, you know, sometimes the on rails and linearity of games. And this may be getting off into a whole nother sort of discussion about, you know, current gaming and, you know, what portion sizes do people want? But um, like I, I read an article where the latest Black Ops, Black Ops 3, it's like apparently they were not going to like restrict you on where you started in the campaign. I have it. I haven't really looked for it, to be honest. But it was an interesting thought of like, you know, sometimes people just don't get through a whole campaign. So in a game like that, why restrict you to like... A level that somebody may tell you, oh, it was really cool because there's this level we, you know, jumped That's out of the helicopter yeah. and dove down into the water and got up on the aircraft carrier and did all this stuff. Hmm. It's like, why restrict people from playing that? Because you've got to do the first 13 levels before <laughs> that. 
Wait, does this person may not have even ever do that, but you could at least allow them to go check that out. I do like and that. You have cool. that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> at first, I was like, oh, you're not going to put them in linear order, but then it kind of makes sense because it's like well, that story is bullshit. Anyway, like, who cares? Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, seriously. You're going <laughs> to kill the guy with the so knife at the last minute in the That's inning, anyway. There's going to be a guy so. named Soap in there somewhere. That's yeah. Soap Junior or whatever in the features are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So I, yeah, because that, that, that and I guess the balance of that is like, well, we want to put. Because sometimes just having that carrot and saying unlock this is enough to get players mm-hmm. engaged. So I guess sometimes that's the other, that's the opposition to that. Because they're like, well, maybe we're getting, but those games, people are buying them for multiplayer. Nobody's buying them for the. Yeah, yeah, and, I, the, and I don't think the single player stuff ahead. is cinematic, but well, yeah. It's great. Right. But then you have a problem because you see the problems of uh, Titanfall and now Battlefront. People give that the same amount of shit because it's like when. I just think people like complexity in games, even if they don't really appreciate all of it sometimes. Because they're like, mm-hmm. well, we don't like... Because I think Call of Duty, they run those stats. They're like, well, you know, like 5% of people actually finish the campaign. And most people just go on this. But then when you take a campaign out of a game, it kind of makes everybody say, well, it's just not a lot of stuff. It's just multiplayer. It's not a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Like, uh, what they did with Titanfall, yeah. right? But then yeah. I will give you something. For Titanfall, it feels like, even though the like campaigns might be bullshit... There's something about world building that getting you attached to that world that helps. Like with Halo, it's like Halo's fun because you're in that universe. And I mean, it doesn't have barely anything to do with the multiplayer of that game, but it just feels like it kind of anchors you a little bit. So yeah. that's a tough one. I mean, I don't know if any of us have that problem. These are like multi-million dollar games. Yeah. But I, I just hope you weren't, you weren't trying to defend Titanfall, were you? Because <laughs> I'm sorry, that game, I'm with Ryan on like, that one. There was just like the missions were bullshit. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Fun mechanics. I, no, I'm saying okay. no. That's what I'm saying though. So I no, I understand the logic and I defended it before it came out. Right. And I defended even Battlefront's like that, but Battlefront has Star Wars, so it's fine. But I, because I, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Like I don't really give a shit about some campaign if I'm just going to play the multiplayer. That's fun, and we had fun with that game. But and the yeah. forget the kind of campaign thing they added later. Just say the multiplayer with no campaign. There's something missing. You're like, well, but there's. I don't know what this world is still. You know, it's, it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. It seems neat, and I want to get attached to it. And people want to get tattoos, or you know, like years of war people do. But right, like they need some kind of narrative anchor. So I don't. And know. I think it's where Battlefront gets away with it is because they've already got the Star Wars right. franchise with That's them, true. obviously. So yeah. it's just like unless you're Obina, you kind of know what's going on. Hey, and you're like, hey, oh, hey, man, this there is was so- no need to throw shade right there. <laughs> what what is there this? There you was. know he's his dad. Did you realize that? He's like, <laughs> shit, dude. <laughs> Spoilers alert. <laughs> Jesus. Spoilers. So yeah, um, I, I think it's interesting, but I, but I mean that ties in. I think that people like more and more complex games. I mean, maybe not a mobile right, game yeah. on other things, but. Like you said, if you know, like the audience has grown in sophistication, and even if like the average audience is thirty-five or something, that means they're the kids. That's my generation. That's that's Ryan. Those are people that grew up with that. So it's not new people. And if the new kids are getting Mm -hmm. it faster than we ever did, there's there's Mm going to just be a lot of freaking complex games coming out in the future. Oh yeah, just a bunch of stuff. And and it kind of the balance of like talking out to we all being. I mean. People listen to the show and indie developers and other stuff. It's like how to balance that. Because I mean, you have 100 people or 300 people working on Assassin's Creed. You can put a bunch of shit into your game, but how do you do yeah. that? I mean, you can do that. You can make cool systems like Rust or something and make a lot of complex things. Yeah, I think it, no yeah, Man's Sky. I think even at the indie. Yeah, exactly. I think at the indie level, it's not even about. I think the bigger companies are putting more content in, whereas indie developers, you know, you could you can make a good game. Like even. 
Well, uh, this is a bad example. I was about to say Flappy Bird, but that's not really a complex <laughs> system. But uh, you know, just, just like you said, No Man's Sky is a great, great example. It's just a procedurally procedurally generated world where it's you're not like putting in you know manually having a hundred people build these levels out. You're just putting in a complex system that does right. it for you and makes the game complex because it adds so much variety to the game world. Uh, you know, the experience that the player can have in you know, different things he can go to and see. So. I think I don't think it, it size of your company or your game studio should limit you know how complex your game can right. be, um, at least from a functionality you just and can't have game mechanic standpoint. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, so that, that's a good place to talk. But I think I mean, like add to this if you've not. I mean, if you guys have ideas, but I think kind of what we're saying or what we came to the point about over this is just as best practices for this is one. It might not be the best ROI or return on investment to actually try to make extensive tutorials through your games. It might, the, the big thing is to, one, first of this is, and this has to do with anything. This has to do not even with just this stuff, but just with actually getting attention for your game is you got to build a community, community right? Yeah. Build a community around your game. Because if you don't even have that, nobody's going to see it. There, there are literally 300 games that come out on iPhone a day. You know that, like in the app store, it's like 300 games going. I did not know. You can't that. just pop a game mm-hmm. on there and people, oh, cool, see it. It's just not going to happen. Like, it, you have to have eyes on it somehow. Exactly, and there's the, there's that's the whole market research. Right. So you do mark, you know, research about where your game well, is going to land. Stand out you know, and, when, yeah. exactly. And just yeah, yeah, figure the market that you're trying to reach. You know, who the players are that you're trying to go for, and then you know, build a community around those players. Around well, what that. you have in that community um, is that you have people that are invested. And want to be in that world of whatever your game is, and they will help generate the YouTube's, the Let's Play videos. Because even now, they don't even have to be formal tutorials. Like for following us, I just watch like Let's Play videos, and they go, "Oh, cool, that's how." You, oh, neat! I didn't know that. There's, there's somebody I mentioned this in the Oscar Clark interview, but um, I heard this on another podcast, on the video game podcast. They talked about how Fallout Four, that type of game, like you said, like being some of the open world game and stuff. That's so appropriate for today's world. That type of game is made for YouTube because the moment that game gets released, there are 800 videos, not just Let's Plays, but here's how to get all 14 bobbleheads. Here's how to get every power weapon in the game. Here's how, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's like you can generate thousands of videos just off those mechanics, but that's how we experience hmm. that. And, but that is a part of making, you know, in the past of making your game sticky and making the design stuff where you like think about it when you're not playing it, it was all about in-game. But now it's like, well, they can also just go be watching YouTube videos about the game at their lunch period. <laughs> Lunch break and then well, lunch period. period. Well, there were students. Some people were students. <laughs> <In> elementary school. <laughs> I mean, they have their phones and then elementary school now. And then nap uh, time. Can I get some chocolate milk? <laughs> I don't know how we got British. Anyways, community is the big thing, Sorry. right? The community. But I think what I mean, I think the second part of that is. Yeah, build that stuff, and that has uh, that's a whole other topic that we've talked about a little bit before. We can talk, yeah. we'll talk about much more because we're still learning with this podcast and stuff, and we're grateful for our community and everything. But the other big part of that, I think, is actually instead of actually figuring out ways to communicate all the mechanics, it's actually figuring out ways to keep players interested and like to show them mm-hmm. the possibilities of your game at an early point without ruining yes. stuff. Or I remember they used to do a big, they used to do a thing in games and people used to get pissed at it and they stopped doing it where they give you like all your power ups right at the beginning. And then they'd be like, like four days before, you know, four days earlier and you wouldn't have any of that stuff. You're like, shit, I was just like a god and now I'm just nothing. They're trying to do that to show you what you can do, but. It used to just yeah, piss yeah. people off. I mean, Assassin's Creed did it, you know, and, and does it sometimes. Or I think it was Assassin's Creed. I can't remember these names anymore. Maybe Brotherhood, where they give you all of your, you know, you get your your 
hidden blade, you get your, you know, shotgun and everything. You get all these things at the very beginning, but then, you know, you get beat up or something, they take everything right. from you, and then you have to gradually work your way back up. Anyway, that goes back to the soft and, you know, hard and, fun. And there's anyway, ways to do that. I mean, it continue. can be incremental, like we said. It's like, oh, just like Skyrim, now I'm a follower, like I enjoy the world now, and then now I'm picking up items and collecting things. Like, that's, that's stuff we can't actually give you advice on, because that just depends on your game, right? And know what your game is. Mm-hmm. But I think that's cool. I right think on. it's like build a community and then make your game worth playing that they get motivated to keep playing it and look up stuff. Well, that's always the bottom line, right? Yeah, yeah. just make it make fun. Make a good game. <laughs> that's every episode. Yeah, like, yeah, make a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Today's lesson play. is don't make shit. And then, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, really, if you do that, all your problems will be solved. I mean, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know how we're talking about. What about that tutorial? Is it shit? Or who cares? <laughs> They can read the tutorial and still fun. like turn their nose up at it. If so. you make a game that 100 percent of people will play it, love it, and guarantee, like recommend it to a friend, then you have no problems. <laughs> yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, I made too much money. Yeah, so, no, yeah. the IRS is on me. Nah. <laughs> I just have very nice new friends now. Well All right, yeah. that, was good. Money. I think that was good. So send it. Yeah, send us. Um, get a, get involved with this on. You know, I can't even talk now. It's getting late. Send us what you think about some of these like ideas, or what you think about um, some ways that games have done this in the in the past. Like you know, we love talking about these types of design stuff and about how certain games have implemented stuff. And you can rant about whether you thought this game sucked as a tutorial or not. Um, so I, I don't know. Like we, we, I'm sure we're not even thinking of a thousand of this, thousand different examples of this. Fallout Four is now just dominating my life, but. We, we'd love to hear from you guys. We also have to Absolutely. do... Absolutely, yeah. We have to do one thing. We'll be just typing me in the... In the <laughs> oh, uh, well, you know, thanks for making <laughs> it. Like, oh, God, this is... Uh, we have to do before we leave. We have to wait for... <gasps> I'm going to make some of the break, I think. <laughs> Please. <laughs> this episode, what, 20? Yeah. We have to do Game of the Week because we didn't do yeah. it the last two episodes because we've done these interviews and by myself. Okay, and this you. one has gone home. We did this in our last episode, but I didn't do it. And this is a perfect example. This is made by Fulbright Company, who's run by Steve Gaynor, who was a designer on Bioshock 2, and he made the wonderful piece of Bioshock DLC called Minerva's Den. It's, like, it's almost the best self-contained Bioshock story ever. It's awesome. I love it. So if you like Bioshock, check that out. I think it's on 360. Maybe it'll be in the backwards compatibility thing on Xbox now. So I don't oh, know. that'd be nice. And it's on yeah. Steam too. But um, he started a company after that. He left and he made this company. And it's a Unity game. And it's basically they, what they call these games now is like walking simulators where you're just walking around and exploring. And this is the same kind of thing. It's like they don't give you tutorials. They, you, there's a house. There's a stormy night in this house and you're coming home. You don't know who you are. I guess you think you're a girl. And you just walk in and you just start finding notes and... <laughs> just different pieces of clues and stuff. You're like, oh, the parents left in. I was like, oh, we're out. We went to the airport, blah, blah, blah. And you're just exploring this house. And it's kind of creepy because it's a very kind of creepy night. And some stuff is like kind of disarray, but other stuff's not. And it's like a two-hour game. You guys should get it. It's on Steam. It's like 10 bucks. Um, but it's fascinating because there is no tutorial, but you're learning. I mean, it's basically, it's like, again, it's the basic for like secondhand knowledge. Like you just walk around, you can pick up objects and look at them. You walk around. There's no mechanics, dude. But you don't know what the point of the game is and you spend half the time and I won't spoil it, but it's very creepy. You're like waiting for things to pop out at you every moment. But the game is about something much bigger and it's kind of a beautiful story in the end. It's really neat. It's very fascinating. It sound, it's one of those things that doesn't sound exciting, but if you just give yourself two hours and play it, you'll be like, that was really neat. It was really cool and it's kind of this cool experience. So 
and it was made in Unity. And this again goes to you talked about like a developing game to your capabilities. They only had like three or four people, and they didn't have a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and they knew they couldn't build huge environments, and they didn't know how to, a lot of technical stuff. They had like one programmer, so like let's make an environment that we can just load into memory once. So that whole house is just loaded into memory. I mean, it's a big house, and there's a lot of different parts, and it. And, and it lasts, you know, you're going through different parts and you might open a secret passage to another part, you know, if you find some kind of thing. And it's fascinating, but it's, 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 it's interesting. So, you guys, gone home. Check it out. Gone home. Check it out. It's about to be probably, wait for the, well, that's kind of shitty for them, but wait for the, about to get, about to hit peak Steam sales. Steam sales? Yeah, Thanksgiving yeah, and Holiday Christmas. Sales? Where no. you can get about every game that was $60 for $3. Yeah, I mean, that's what you don't even know about Steam sales. Damn, Avina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard about it. Come on, come on. No, but I mean, but like, that's the sweetness it. of Steam is that... I've heard tales like, you of just, this. I've heard tales of During Steam Thanksgiving sales. and Christmas, they're just like, oh, yeah, shit. Well, every game that used to be 60 bucks, if anything is under 5 bucks, it used to be a $6 game, I just buy it instantly. I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it. Whatever. That's crazy, yeah. I'll have to take part of that. So The 21st anyway, century, he means. What do we have to say? We have a couple of announcements. We'll talk about um, the Facebook group first. There you go. Oh, yeah, definitely. Check out our Facebook group that we've uh, mentioned on every episode and we'll continue mentioning it because it's an awesome group to be a part of. It's the Debug Lounge that's on Facebook again. If you want to get in contact with us or join the lounge, uh, just go to our website and sign up for our newsletter. It's our bi yearly newsletter the- that we send out every six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's our yearly review. Yeah. It hasn't even yeah. been bi yearly. Fair enough. Yeah. We, we, have a, we have a month to get one out. We'll eventually get out a newsletter. It's called The Loop. But anyway, let me finish t- talking right, about sorry. our website, which is thedebuglog.com. Uh, go, like I said, go there, check out our uh, newsletter, join it. And when you do, we'll send you an email or send you a link to join at the lounge, which is the Facebook group. Um, Eduardo's been really good about adding people to the lounge regularly. So we that's a lot really of interaction good. there, too. Um, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, we got a lot of great interaction. A lot of people are asking questions. People are getting their questions answered uh, with by developers, not only us, exactly. So that's the good part is like we don't have to answer all these questions. People in the community who have, are part of the lounge are asking and answering questions. So no it's really, really good. That. Like, it's I, great. I don't know all these questions and answers, too. I can't answer some of them, so I'm learning. I mentioned, so I mentioned this yeah, in yeah. the last show where I outroed it, but the point of that whole of the debug lounge, like, well, you could go to Unity Answers or something. The whole point of this is to make a non-asshole zone. So like it's all super positive and everybody's like, Yeah, cool, yeah, that's you know, help you out if not. Don't post a question yeah, yeah. like oh, what? <laughs> you don't know that? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, You'll or, never get that. Or vibe. Please or never not. do oh, why are you doing it that way? I would do it. Yeah. Just try to help out the person with their context. Don't don't be the jerk that's like judging what they're doing right out of the box. So Yeah. And we haven't had any of that, so No, we haven't. We really haven't. I'm not coming on you, know, I'm not trying well, to like, come down and you with the band with or yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuban Bam rainbow. Hammer. <laughs> the Cuban <laughs> rainbow. 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 Whatever. We just made that official. The yeah, he's not here. He can't defend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was it for. And you can send us. You want to send us a private message about. or question or feedback? You can send it to thedebuglog at gmail.com. Ooh, private yeah, message. If you want to send <laughs> late after dark message. Mm. Late after dark. It's after midnight. <laughs> the after and we're all this stuff. Yeah. It's after midnight. It is. That's what I'm tired. We have a Twitter at the debug log. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C U R R I E. And I'm at O Beans. That's O with H. Beans with Ooh, a that Z. That was nice. Not o that complicated. H, beans with a Z. That's like a nice little. <laughs> Gotta get some canes. That's O B. Um, <laughs> and I'm at R E Kilgore. Sorry. I still think that's right. I don't know. I, I tweet like once a month. So 
Yeah, I don't ever tweet actually, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's I'll retweet. Tweet. And it'll probably be, you know, yeah. that's actually what it is. I'll retweet John Carmack or NASA or Neil deGrasse Tyson or some crap like that, which yeah. you probably already listened or to. Or the yeah. debug log. Yeah. You, you don't, don't ever retweet. That's right? terrible. He never tweet tweets us. <laughs> I don't tweet that's in general. Terrible. But at least I have one. I'm not like Zach, who's, what is he, like 22, and he's like, man, technology, I don't want to use it. Yeah, it's true. Right on. That's all I got. All right. I'm done. <clears throat> Let's wrap it all up. Right, well, cool. Well, until next time, my name is Andrew. And I'm Obina. And I'm Ryan. And we are the crew. Get the crew. Get <laughs> That's our new outfit. Just get a kazoo. We're done, folks. I have to go lose it. Fantasy football. You're in your environment. I'm used to being a loser. You're a loser. This is bad. Alright. Alright.